Mickey Fitzpatrick spoke during OTAs. We'll talk about the impact of the new additions to the secondary and how he sees that fitting in with what they're going to do to try to lead the NFL interceptions again. I'm your host, Chris Carter of Locked On Steelers Podcast, joined today by Nick Fairboff, SteelersNow.com. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Steelers, your daily Pittsburgh Steelers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things of the Pittsburgh Steelers. As always, you can find this show on your favorite podcasting app and on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our bonus content. We thank you for making the Locked On Steelers podcast your first listen every day because we're your team every day. And today's episode is sponsored by Bird Dogs. Go get Bird Dogs by going to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNFL. When you enter promo code LockedOnNFL, all capital letters, all one word, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. More on them in a minute here. And as I said before, we are joined by Nick Fairboff, SteelersNow.com, also of the Lockdown family. Uh, and also, uh, Nick has been on this show before, so we welcome him back. And uh, we we both been in OTAs throughout. We uh, we were at OTAs, and we got a few things to talk about here. But I wanted us to lead Nick about Minka Fitzpatrick. Both you and I have talked a lot about him and how his potential could be for the Steelers, and how he's a key element to what this defense brings. He led the NFL in it with six interceptions, tied with three others, um, and that helped, he that helped lead the Steelers lead the NFL in interceptions as a team. But I think it's interesting they've added Patrick Peterson and it's going to be a new look. And here was Mika Fitzpatrick talking about the addition of Patrick Peterson and what he thinks he'll bring to the defense. Um, he brings experience for sure. He brings uh, he brings a high IQ. Uh, he brings the ability for guys to be able to move uh, and not just be stagnant. Because um, me and him, you know, we're already talking about high level stuff, and the coach got to tell us, hey, bring it down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? This, you know what I'm saying? So that's that's really cool and. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an honor to play with, with a guy like him. Along those same lines, how much of a benefit is it that you guys did bring some older veteran players in for the defense and for the secondary and just being up to speed in that way already? I think I think it's great. Uh, one, because we have I think we have a perfect balance of, you know, vets and old, and, uh, and younger guys. Um, I think when you when you have that good combination, you have the vets that kind of set the standard and you have the young guys that bring the energy, the juice, you know, to the, to, to the everyday. So uh, I, think, I think it's a great combination. And, uh, I think we are ahead of where we were at least last year, and that's that's saying a lot, uh, or at least we're uh, we're ahead of where I thought we would be. So, so a few things there, Nick. One, the talk of him and Patrick Peterson being able to communicate on a level that's kind of above everyone else, and the things that they're able to do. What do you see coming with this secondary that might not have been something they could do before because you got two guys that can think on that level. Yeah, well, I, I see kind of Patrick Peterson just being Cam Sutton, right? He's kind of mm-hmm. a, an interesting fit there. We talk about the slot. He talked about doing all these different things. Well, play outside, play in the slot. Probably could be the dimebacker too, honestly, and, and be that guy that's most inside in the dime package. Like, he could do all of that. And so what you can do with a guy like that, with obviously what Minka has with his athleticism and IQ is get these, like, rotations going crazy. Um, you know, let Minka go from single high, let him rob the middle mm. of the field, let Pat Pete roll deep because Pat Pete still has juice and he has wheels, right? He's not mm-hmm. like a superb athlete like he used to be, but he's got enough there. And he's certainly one of the smartest football players, in my opinion, in the NFL at the cornerback position. So you have a guy, in my opinion, that unlocks 
a lot of possibilities. What, what you can do post snap, what you can do with your pre snap looks, you can move it around. You can confuse quarterbacks. Something I think Minka can really do this year a lot more is work that robber role and, and put him in the middle of the field. Because listen, what's the weakness of the defense right now? Probably coverage inside linebacker, right? You yeah. look and you're like coverage linebacker. Well, mm-hmm. he's over the middle of the field and he's robbing those crossers. He's robbing the backside digs. He's robbing those. Well, Cole Holcomb, Landon Roberts, Mark Robinson, whoever plays there, they're not going to have to worry as much because Mink is going to be there. And you have KZ over top who can do that. Keanu Neal has coverage ability underneath too. So they have all these different things, right? And Patrick Peterson and Minka are going to be able to communicate with all of those guys at a very high level. Patrick Peterson for the corners is going to be able to keep guys like Joey Porter Jr., Corey Trice, uh, whoever may play there, keep them in bounds, right? Because, you know, those rookies are going to are gonna have growing pains. doesn't matter how you slice it. They're rookie corners. No rookie corner mm-hmm. is ever perfect uh, in their first year. So Patrick Peterson is going to be able to keep those guys intact. And then Mink is going to be able to keep these moving pieces on the back end because you have so, two new inside linebackers. You have a new strong safety. You have at least one new corner in there, maybe two or three, just depending yeah. on Shane Sullivan and Joey, all these guys, right? So – it just allows so many possibilities. They can run cover three, cover two quarters. They can run every single type of coverage you could ever want. And, and their communication is going to be at a really high level here. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a lot more of like Joe Hayden-ish stuff from him too, mm-hmm. you know, where they would trap the boundary. They would trap the slot. Right. They would do a lot of different things. It's just going to like give them a lot more possibilities. And I think that's what Mike Tomlin really likes. So these high football IQ guys, man. Pat Pete and Minka, and they're going to make plays on the ball on top of that. I also think it's something that Terrell Austin likes as a, as a, as a defensive coordinator. He has a DB coach. You know, he was the guy that would always work with Minka and with Terrell Edmonds to get them on the same page and to do some more advanced things. I mean, you know, Nick, you know, back in like 2017 and even 2018, when Terrell Evans was a rookie before Minka got there, a lot of the coverage schemes the Steelers would throw out would be very basic. They did they, they couldn't disguise as much because they didn't have the guys that could, one, be the playmakers that could do that, but two, also communicate on a high level that would keep everyone on the same page to pull those off. And uh, funny enough, you talk about the robber role and the things that Minka Fitzpatrick does to be a threat to quarterbacks and to confuse them. He talked more about that's been a specific focus of his in the offseason, not getting fast not getting stronger like some 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 younger guys are he's talking about the studying he's doing here was Minka Fitzpatrick talking about those developments in on on a Wednesday when we talked to him after OTAs um I wanted to become more advanced in my IQ and the, the understanding of the game uh, I've been sitting down a lot and breaking down a lot of film with, with different coaches whether it be the linebacker coach or uh, GA or, or assistant DB coach. I'm just trying to advance my uh, my football IQ game because you know I, I like to be in the right position, but I also don't want to be a robot and just uh, uh, um, you know end up. I don't want the quarterback to always know, know where I'm at. I want to be able to make plays that are made from my IQ. So uh, definitely been trying to work on that. So back to that, I think that that goes right to what you're talking about. Minka Fitzpatrick recognizes this is the key is to is to outsmarting quarterbacks, being able to not just put yourself in position to make a play, but put yourself in position to fool someone that that, that you're not going to make that play. And 
I, in, it's not just as simple as just lining up one place and going to another. You have to do it in ways that are calculated within your own scheme and that attack the different things that opponents want to do. And, I, and Nick, I think that's a huge part when you have Patrick Peterson, even if you are throwing out Joey Porter Jr. out there, Levi Wallace, it could be an asset in this. You have the other pieces around Nick Fitzpatrick that I think can they, are, they can be reliable, they can be solid. And I think that if you do all of that, I think that you put yourself in a position where Mika Fitzpatrick can be the, be the prime interceptor and game changer at the safety position. Yeah, and, and you can remember, I think, 2020, 2021, when mm-hmm. one of those big issues was Minka became a non-factor at times because they just had yeah. him roaming deep, right? He would just be mm-hmm. the single high. Well, they can't let that happen anymore, and they didn't last year, and that's why he got a lot of plays. Uh, so he's going to be a guy that works cover two, cover three. He'll work single hat. He'll come down for the robber role. He'll do all these different things, and they need to because he's probably their best ball hawk, which is saying something, and they have a lot of good ball hawks on this team this year. They do. Uh, and, and, you know, something DeMonte Casey was talking about to me was like, listen, we're trying to be elite ball hawks this year. You know, they, they've been really good with those turnovers in the secondary since T.A. came over because Terrell Austin, that's been a big focus of his in that secondary, but – they need Minka to be as free as possible to do whatever he wants. And you mm-hmm. look at the roles that they have delineated throughout this secondary, right? Patrick Peterson plays so many different spots. They have two different safeties beside Minka and KZ and Neil that can do different things that allow Minka to do different things, right? KZ can play over the top while Minka slides down. Neil can play in the box and you can let Minka go play up top if you have a deep threat. Like you have different matchup things that you can do and you have veterans and I like having veterans because I think the Steelers came into this draft knowing they were going to draft at least one if not two corners and so you knew you were probably going to have a corner that was going to get significant playing time either as a starter sub package defender whatever it may be mm-hmm. so they are they are surrounded by a ton of veterans and I think right. that's going to help Joey or Corey whoever's going to play Absolutely. We want to switch some topics. I want to talk some George Pickens with Nick in a sec, but first I want to talk to you guys about Bird Dogs, our great sponsor that sponsors today's episode. Bird Dogs is a clothing line that makes you look good. They use stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer on you through the thigh and through the leg that help give you a truly sculpted look when you're wearing Bird Dogs. And Bird Dogs shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they just fit way better. And they fit better than regular shorts because they're made of stiff, restricted cotton. And Bird Dogs fit the issue before of some of it being too restricting by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so that you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs use anti-stink sweat uh, wicking fabric so that keeps you cool and dry all day long in bird dogs. So go get you some bird dog shorts today by going to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and when you go there enter the promo code locked on NFL all capital letters all one word and you'll be able to get a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take take your bird dogs off. We promise you go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL today. Back. 
back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here with Nick Faribault of SteelersNow.com. As always, we remind you guys to donate. Please donate to the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, where we have a link and a QR code on your screen right now that you can go to and donate to the campaign that I've, that I've been kicking off. We've been advertising here. Any money that you donate is great, uh, but if you if you don't, if you donate at least $10 or more and ask a question on our call line, 412-223-6644, you get your question answered within a week of your donation to be guaranteed to be on the show. But Let's get back to what our talking points are here, Nick, and let's talk about an article that you guys wrote, wrote early this week about George Pickens being ranked second in a key metric, and that key metric involved 50-50 balls, which, frankly, that's a lot of what George Pickens was just doing last year. He wasn't a guy that was breaking open different parts of the field. He was, hey, George, go get that, and that's kind of what, what they did. Um, and what the number that was that was revealed in this article on SteelersNow.com, by the way, you can find that article at George Pickens ranked second in key metric. Um, it was produced. It was published uh, just earlier this week. But they 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 it quotes Pro Football Focus and their charting, and it says that his 18 contested catches this that last season were the most that they've ever charted by a rookie in a single season, and. You know that was that was it was it's kind of crazy when you look look at how back and how many times he came down with, with with tough catches that were in traffic and again this was him as a rookie this was him with Mitch Trubisky and Kenny Pickett throughout the year the balancing that they had to do the question that I have though Nick is what does he do next with that is he still going to be the jump ball guy or do you think George Pickens is, is, is going to be able to put in enough work to be a sharper route runner so that he doesn't have to win jump balls? And that's just another part of his arsenal as, as an, instead of uh, being pri- his primary game. Yeah, that's the thing, right? It's the big question of, okay, are you going to be just a real big jump ball vertical threat? Which he's got a great floor, right? Because he's athletic. He's got great hands. And he showcased himself last year to have elite body control, period. But the question is going to be, can he diversify his route tree or was he being misused? That's the other question. Maybe he can do it. Maybe we just hadn't seen it yet. And I think you saw towards the end of the year a little bit more where, you know, that post route against the Raiders, I think to win the game, uh, he caught a few dig routes and you look on tape, he was starting to kind of learn a few things stemming at the top of his routes, uh, using slight push-offs to get a little separation in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. reading coverages, zone coverages. I think that's been one of the big things yeah. he's talked about is reading zones and finding that soft spot, right? That's an easy, easy thing he can learn to just become that more, much more dangerous, right? Because they're just going to play zone against him and put him out and hover him over the top and say, you know, yeah, you're a really good contested catch guy, but Maybe we'll trust our corners a little bit more because you only get, what, three targets a game? That's about what he averaged last year. So I think becoming a little bit better against zone, I think that's his next step. That's the next natural progression. Obviously, route running is a big thing because he can gain more separation, become more than just a contested catch guy downfield. He can become an explosive touchdown maker downfield by doing that. But he's got such great raw tools. and mm-hmm. He looks Listen, me and you were watching him all training camp and OTAs and everything last year. The guy's a freak show. I mean, he really is. He's a freak show, and his ceiling is legitimately probably a top 10 receiver in this league if he can put it all together. That's the type of player he can be. I think it's just going to be, first of all, zone coverage. Mm -hmm. Learn how to find the soft spot in the zone. Do different things. Diversify his route tree a little bit. Let him run some slants. Let him run run some digs. Uh, Let him run – 
more corners, right? Just diversify that vertical route tree and work off that because I think it's going to open him up more. Let him run deep crossers. I think that's something. You know, play action. We were talking about this. Uh, Allen Robinson today told me, listen, we could see a lot more play action. I think Pickens could be a great benefactor that over the middle, he's got great natural explosion and speed. So I think you just diversify his route tree a little bit. and He could be like a 1,200-yard receiver this year if really everything works together. I feel you on that. 1,200 yards is around right where I think it could be very reasonable, especially with I don't think the Steelers are going to be passing all that much. I think I mean, they're going to be passing. They're still going to be a balanced offense. They're not just going to, just going to run the ball. But this isn't going to be a Steelers offense where it's going to just, I think, throw for 4,000 yards this year. I think that there's going to be chunks here and there. But with his ability to be a playmaker and the emphasis, I think, that the Steelers will be able to impose people on with the running game, I think it's going to put him in some prime positions to get one-on-one opportunities and get Kenny Pickett some chances to give him some some big play big play chances to not just make some of those big, bigger 50-50 catches, but maybe get open and also make a guy miss and uh, extend it. We had we actually had a clip on him of him on this show uh, when we talked to him in the first week of OTAs, and he said the biggest thing that he worked on was how to set himself up with better routes so that he can get better yak because he knows it's not just breaking tackles he has to work; it's setting himself up to break tackles or to just be in space so that he doesn't even get tackled. And I think that it's good that he's recognizing these parts of his games now as a second year player, because I mean, you look at what, what he did, what he did last season. He was a, he was a phenom. People were talking about him all, you know, before he even set foot on the field. And when you go back to what he did in, in the receiving game, he caught four touchdowns last year on top of 800 yards and he could, and and with the quarterback situation that he could have said, you know what, I'm doing just fine. You know, I just, they need to, they need to just throw me the ball more, but he's actually working to get sharper. And I think that's a very good sign for what the Steelers need from a guy who was a second round pick just last year. Yeah. And listen, he led the, he led the NFL in go routes. Like that's mm-hmm. what they used him as last year. I think they have a plan for him to be a far more multifaceted receiver. They want him to win underneath. They want him to win the intermediate part, and then they want him to win deep, too. Obviously, that's going to be part of his game forever, right? But if he can win from various alignments, I think getting more comfortable in the slot is something that he can work on, too. You know, played a little bit there last year, but hadn't played a ton there at UGA. So that's something he's just getting a little bit more comfortable with. But I think the second-year comfortability, that's where all that stuff's going to come from, right? First year, you know, he's getting his feet wet under him. It still took him a little bit of time to, like, boom, full click, right, to fully mm-hmm. go into it. I think second year, things are going to be a little slower for him. He's going to be able to do a lot more. And I think you look at him, and we talked about these explosive plays. He is the natural guy you look to to get those explosive plays in the passing game. Uh, you know, Deontay Johnson's a guy that is a good separator, and he's a guy that doesn't get a lot of downfield targets like George Pickens does, though, right? So Pickens is that guy. Allen Robinson's probably going to be a slot guy that does a lot of chain moving. Calvin Austin could be a game breaker, but the consistent guy who's going to be on the field through all personnel groupings, no matter what, that can run different types of routes, if he can learn, is going to be Pickens. And I think he's like, I think he's the X factor right now to kind of unlock this passing offense mm-hmm. to really take it from, all right, it's just going to be good to man, you got to worry about this explosive play element, right? Because the 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 blueprint you're going to be using is a similar blueprint to what the Philadelphia Eagles use, Tennessee Titans use, you know, where you had A.J. Brown being that guy kind of for both teams at different points. George Pickens can be that guy. He's got that potential in him. 
I think that potential is there. It's going to be about unlocking it. And also part of unlocking it isn't just him. It's also getting on the same page as Kenny Pickett. He's been there working with Kenny Pickett and when he's been before OTAs, when they were doing their private workouts. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, when, when mini camp starts, what, what's going to, how are those guys going? And then when training camp starts, how much closer are those guys last year? Because, you know, something that we also talked about all last season, Kenny Pickett didn't get to run with the first team until he was a starter. And I think that that prevented George Pickens from developing too much of a rapport with him before the season. Now there's no question who's the starting quarterback. And there's no question that George Pickens is going to be a starting wide receiver on this team. And I think that, like you said, that can be an X factor here. And, and I, I think again, and I want to get your thoughts on this as an offense as a whole too, uh, um, on the other side of this break here, because it's going to tie into our discussion about the running back situation. But I look at this offense and we just talked about George Pickens as an X factor. Yesterday I was talking about the tight ends could be a big key to this offense moving forward. The running game, which we'll get to in the next segment could be a big key. This offensive line could be good. Deontay Johnson. If he's just, if he's just able to get into the end zone this year, he becomes a much bigger factor. And that gives you a lot of different things where if positive things happen, significant improvement could come for the offense. But Nick, I want to get your thoughts on how that balance can work on the other side of this break real quick. We'll be right back here on the Lockdown Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter with Nick Farabaugh. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Back here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter here with Nick Farabaugh of SteelersNow.com. Now, Nick, Getting back into my point before we get into the Najee Harris and Jalen Warren whole discussion here, I do think that balance is going to be is, is always an interesting factor. But I think the Steelers have enough weaponry in their on their roster, especially on their offensive side, that this could be this this could be the rekindling of actual offense being a serious part of the Steelers game. Not saying that they're going to be top ten or anything like that this year, but there's actual weapons across the board that if things start to click with two or three of them, not even all of them, just like the run game and maybe a receiver and a tight end, it could put defenses in a bind where they have to pick and choose what they're going to try to take away. And that opens up opportunities for those other playmakers to come in. How do you see the Steelers offense playing this year? Yeah, the weapons group is good. I I think it's really a solid group, right? But how you see them playing is the run game is going to be the foundation, but the most important down of this offense is going to be first down. That's 100% going to be true. People always talk about third down. Well, it's going to be first down. They need to set themselves up in good second down and third down situations. They get eight yards on first down. Well, they can get a play action deep shot right off that, right? They have so many different options to go tight end multiple, to go three wide receivers. They can go three tight ends. They are four tight ends deep now with Darnell Washington in that room. You can put Pat Fryermuth more out in the slot. I think that's going to be a big thing where they can use him as a size mismatch on mm-hmm. the outside. I think bringing in Washington, uh, another year of Fryermuth under the development of Alfredo Roberts, and then you have Allen Robinson. These are three guys that should be really plus blockers in the run game too, so they can run out of any different type of personnel. I think Allen Robinson, that's a really underrated part of that addition. He can block from a lot of different angles. Uh, he was asked to do that in Los Angeles, and he did it at a high level. They're going to run the ball out of 11. They're going to run it out of 12. They'll run 13. They'll do so many different things with this offense because they can't. And I think what that gives them that they didn't have last year is they could be matchup dependent in their game plan. If one, you know, if it's the Ravens, for example, where maybe you have a little bit more of a beefy run defense, 
all right, you can spread them out a little bit. There's some questions in that secondary. Well, if it's a team that has a porous run defense and, and they are bad against 12 personnel and they maybe don't have great coverage linebackers, you can spread them out and empty. You can condense it down low. You can do a lot of different things. And so what they're going to play out is that run game is going to be the, the crux of it, but that passing game can create a lot of explosive plays and be a one-two punch kind of in different matchups. And I think that's what they've really been missing. And it's largely also due to the offensive line improvements. That's going to yeah. happen a lot too. They're going to be able to dial up more longer developing plays because they can trust that offensive line a little bit more. They have a lot more upside to just grow throughout the season like they did last year. And mm-hmm. let's 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 remember here, you know, if you you're into those event, advanced metrics like DVOA and EPA, I'm not like super into them, but they in the t- second half of the year they were top 10 in both those metrics. So mm-hmm. It's something to think about. I think that they're a, a better offense this year. I think it's just going to be how do those all mesh and how quickly do they mesh. I think they'll mesh at some point. It's just going to be when. I want to get to this point of the discussion, too, with the offense with you, and that involves Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. Now, I put it on the side for Najee Harris versus Jalen Warren. I'm not saying these guys are against each other in any way. These guys are actually working pretty well together in the running back group. But um, there is it, there is a notion, that, and I, I've, I've had at it with uh, – I had to, I talked about this with Tony Serino, who he was, he was very pro-Jalen Warren taking over for Najee Harris. There's people in our YouTube comment section that are like, hey, Chris, I think that this is the future, is that, that Najee Harris isn't going to be good and Jalen Warren's going to take his job by the end of the year. And um, I, I, look at the, I look at that and I say, listen, I get the appeal – of Jalen Warren. I get that he's a he's an undrafted guy who's easy to like. He's just a hardworking grinder. And people look at his stats. And if you just look at the stats and you're like, wow, 4.9 yards per carry and Najee had 3.8. Why are they even starting Najee Harris? And I'm just like, if you study the tape, if you see things that Jalen Warren does do things like he hits the hole hard and, not, and sometimes Najee doesn't. But there's also a lot of different context that plays into it. And Nick, you're a guy who came on the show last year and was saying, I don't see Najee Harris do, doing doing that well this, this this upcoming season. But you and I were talking about this very subject at Steelers OTAs, and you had a bit, kind of a different stance than those are, who are saying, yeah, Jalen Warren just put him out there. Yeah, well, I think last year Najee's production was pretty predictable to go down just because I don't think he had a great – kind of issue Uh, i don't think he had like a great supporting cast last year he was kind of the rock of the offense right and he you know he had to support a rookie quarterback with a subpar offensive line with Mm -hmm. an offensive coordinator that you didn't have a ton of confidence in and finally he started to gain more and more confidence once the offensive line got better once kenny started to get more comfortable what people don't understand about Najee harris is what makes him special it's his size, yes, but it's the agility. It's the ability to just create yards out of nowhere. He is a magician at times when you turn on that tape. Look at his yards before contact all of his career thus far. He is one of the lowest yards before contact in the NFL. He gets hit almost right away. I think he had to like miss, I think he had to force like 2.3 missed tackles per carry or something. His rookie year was absurd just to get back to the line of scrimmage because he got hit by two or three guys everywhere. Last year, it got better. I think you finally saw him with a solid offensive line that allowed him to play his game. And what that meant was play bully ball. Let him hit the hole. Let him be a mm-hmm. little bit more patient. He's not like Jalen Warren, right? Jalen Warren is just a one-cut guy, and he just sees and goes, boom, Yeah, which is cool. I mean, there's, there's definitely places for those guys, and that's a different type of running back. 
but no one can replicate what Najee Harris brings to the table in terms of an all-around package with that upside. Now, Jalen Warren brings a lot of good things. I think he's a good receiver. I think he's got very good athleticism. I think he's tough as nails, and he's a great pass protector. And that's why he's the third down back, right? That's why Mm -hmm. he was the third down back last year. He's an elite pass protector. I told you this today, too. I think he's one of the Mm -hmm. best pass protecting backs in the NFL, period, as a rookie. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a legitimate thing. But Najee Harris is a grinder, workhorse-style back that is proving that he can be efficient and is proving that he can do exactly what people said he couldn't do at the end of last year. Because you look at the second half of that season and you look what he did versus the first half, it's like night and day. And don't forget he had a Liz Frank injury with a steel plate in his shoe all before the bye last week too. I, I'm right with you. I think there's a lot of things that, yeah, Najee Harris isn't perfect, and he's not he's not elite yet. I, I think that he has work to do, but I think part of the work that he has to do is trusting his offensive line. And, and you know, I said this before, and some people were like, well, Jalen Warren had no problem trusting the offensive line. Yeah, because you know what? There weren't linebackers flying up to the ball saying, we have to stop Jalen Warren at all costs, which is what they do when Najee Harris is on the field. And when you don't have an offensive line that can counter that well, because Le'Veon Bell, had that at one point. Le'Veon Bell commanded the respect of defenses everywhere, even with Antonio Brown lining, lining up outside the hashes. But what Le'Veon Bell also had was David DeCastro, Marquise Pouncey, Ramon Foster, Marcus Gilbert, Alejandro Villanueva, Kelvin Beach. They had an offensive line that kicked a lot of butts out there. And the last two years, Steelers' offensive line didn't even start to do that until the later part of the season. So, yeah, a guy who comes in on third and 15 and gets 12 yards is going to have better better numbers there but that doesn't make him the better option at running back just off off the rip and that's where I think that there is a there is a misunderstanding that I think that some Steelers fans have and could Jalen Warren evolve into a really good running back he could one I had I had um uh, Eddie Faulkner on this very show the Steelers running back coach during training camp and he was just saying like Chris he was our sixth best running back in this draft class. We don't know how he became undrafted. We are excited to get this guy. They were very much on board with Jalen Warren, and I think that he, him and Najee Harris could be a deadly one-two punch at running back. But do not be mistaken. If this offensive line is able to put it together, and the op- and, and that allows one Kenny Pickett to also have more time and some of the, the, the passing game to open up a little bit more, I think Najee Harris, as a part of that mix there, can be a deadly running back that punishes teams and completes this offense or is like you said the strongest part of this offense that kind of gets everything going and then everything revolves off of the success of that run game and with his with the with his vision I think that when he's able to actually get holes to be open because frankly there weren't holes a lot of holes open especially early last year when that when that comes I think that's when you'll start to see the the true potential of Najee Harris coming out and how that starts to bleed out and help so many other parts of the Steelers offense. Yeah. And when we, when I came on the show last year, I said, listen, I think Najee had some vision issues last, the second half of last year, <laughs> he didn't have any vision issues. He was hitting every right hole. He was making mm-hmm. the correct cuts. And again, I keep going back to that lateral agility. This man is six foot two, 225, 230. He is yeah. a unit. He can cut on a dime left, right, whatever you want. And he has enough explosiveness to get through very tight areas that most guys just can't. 
there's just a rare skill set there physically that I don't think people appreciate with Najee Harris. I think that is something that is very underrated about him, not just in you know the Steelers fans. I think the NFL community doesn't quite realize the type of athlete Najee Harris is laterally. And then so I think that makes him a very special player. And I think it gives him a lot of potential when we talk about finally having an offensive line that can give him a little bit of wiggle room before he hits the line of scrimmage. He can do a lot of different things. I think that there are two great examples of what you can see Najee Harris becoming. I think that Panthers game last year is mm. exactly what he can be. And then I thought the Ravens game last year. Remember when they went yeah. down to Baltimore and yeah. just kicked their behinds and Najee Harris was the hammer to the nail that just drilled them down, right? That's what they can be. And then I think they did a great job of getting Najee Harris enough time off the field to where he felt healthier. He was fresher. And I thought he looked more, I thought he looked more explosive, quicker, faster at the end of the year because he didn't play 90% of the snaps like he did his rookie year. Mm -hmm. That's something that Jalen Warren is going to be so good for Najee Harris for in the long term. When he looks back on his career, he's going to be like, Jalen Warren extended my career because I only played 65% of the snaps instead of 90% of the snaps. And I think that is really part of why this works because Jalen Warren is such a different running back than Najee Harris. He's such a different situational back. And I talked about this with you today. I think it's time to get him on the field at the same time. Sometimes be really right? interesting, man. Like I think, you know, they did it last year during that Ravens game. Remember that jet sweep Jalen yeah. Warren had that went yeah. 40 yards. They could do that. They could put Najee outside. They could do a lot of different cool things in the red zone. I think with that maybe, you know, Najee Harris becomes the jet sweep guy. Does anyone want to, here, here's a visual for you. Okay. Darnell Washington comes around the edge, Ooh. blocking you with Najee trying Ooh. to be that guy. Uh, touchdown every time, by the yeah. way. Uh, I, I just think that, you know, people don't realize that Najee Harris needed a little bit of time and support to become what he can become. And I think this year, as long as everything works well, he stays healthy. I think Najee Harris is going to have a very productive year. I think he'll have the most efficient year of his career. I think Jalen Warren's going to have a great year too. But let's let's not discount Najee while we praise Jalen. I think that's the biggest thing. They're both very good players, but Najee Harris brings something special to the table. I hear you on that. Nick, thanks so much for joining us here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. Let people they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work. Yeah, guys, you can find my work at Farabaugh FB right there on my Twitter. You know, you can follow that and read the stuff at Steelers now. Listen, we are covering that wall to wall, trying to give you guys as much exclusive stuff as we can. Me and Alan Saunders doing great stuff. And I know Alan was on the show uh, earlier mm-hmm. this week, too. Absolutely. He's Nick Farabaugh. Thanks so much, Nick, for joining us here in the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Thanks for checking out the Locked On Steelers podcast. And if you're enjoying this show, maybe you can listen to us on your favorite podcasting app or watch us on YouTube. Subscribe to this channel to get all your daily Monday through Friday episodes as well as our, all of our bonus content. You can also find me at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette covering all things Pitt Athletics. We thank everything, everyone for all the support they give here. Um, if you remember, if you want to support the Locked On Steelers podcast even more, go on Apple Podcasts, rate us five stars with a positive comment. Do both at the same time. I get you a special shout out at the end of the show. We're back tomorrow with Jenna Harner of Channel 11 WPXI to wrap up the week and wrapping up OTAs as we get ready for Steelers minicamp next week. We'll see you then right here on the Locked On Steelers podcast. 